They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season two, episode number 19. I am one of your beleaguered hosts. I say beleaguered because we are breaking the fourth wall on this episode, recording two episodes back to back to catch up for our shortcomings due to massive summer series on podcasts under the stairs. Joining me, a guy who's been on that Massive Summer Series is my co-host for Season 2, is the rather delicious Mark Ball. How are you doing? Ooh, rather delicious. Yes. I haven't been referred to as such for uh, maybe ever. Uh, <laughs> good to be here. Good morning, everybody, uh, in the Doing the Nasty uh, audience. Yeah, uh, two, two episodes back-to-back. Uh, huge, uh, like a fucking ocean of difference between the <laughs> movies that we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh some I consider really, really, really fucking good, mm-hmm. and I was like on the phone as soon as I finished them, like recommending them to people, like, dude, you gotta watch this one. And some that like made me want to set myself on fire <laughs> after fucking watching. So you're you're gonna get a, a little bit of everything out of these these next two episodes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I watched all four of these movies within the last week, but I've also man like. <laughs> It does make you wonder, like, there are some people that only watch kind of trash and exploitation cinema and I don't know how they do it. You know, like, that's all they watch, like, every night. It's just another one of these movies. That would wear me down so much. It's not not to say that there isn't merit in there and interesting things to come out, because actually all four of the movies we're going to talk about tonight, uh, well, tonight and uh, on the, the subsequent episode dropping at the end of the month, um, even, even the... At their worst, and trust me, there's there's one movie that is not great at all. Um, there's interesting elements that had they been handled by a better director would have made a much better movie. But because they're in the kind of lowest common denominator, what you get is what you get. And I think that's, that's what kind of spun out to me is that especially on this episode, the two movies we're talking about in this episode, there is so much in here that could have been like really, really fucking interesting. It's tackling some headier themes. It's just uh, the hands of the directors and it's very easy to just give you tits. <laughs> They're directed by complete fucking idiots is what Duncan is trying to say. <laughs> no, no, there's one, there's, a, there's an Italian movie we're going to talk about here which I found hugely interesting and I'm not saying that because there is more vagina in a movie than I thought I, <laughs> I, I needed. Um, and it got to the point that I just, I was like, oh look, a vagina again. Uh, which no man should ever... Vagina, vagina fatigue. Yeah, I got, I got vag fatigue. Um, and no one should ever, no one should ever have that, ever. Uh, but I like it was just it was there all the time and uh, right in my face the, the, like the, the whole movie but the, the concept and the idea behind it hugely fucking interesting like massively interesting I really really dug that in fact both these movies 
I would say tonight, and I suppose we should do the Lord's work by letting the people know what we're going to be doing tonight. Uh, we're doing Bloodlust, a.k.a. Uh, Mosquito the Rapist, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> whatever we're, we're going to call it. Um, and Werewolf Woman. Um, Werewolf Woman, to me, and Mosquito, or Bloodlust, or whatever we're fucking calling it. Uh, both those movies owe a lot to Martin. And what's really interesting is uh, both those movies came out in or around the same time Martin came out. So there was just something going on where people were like, let's do trauma, but manifest trauma in a kind of quasi-supernatural sense. Um, and I find that hugely interesting. It's just, like, Martin does it a lot better. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, a lot better. Um, and there's even, like, shades, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself... But it, it must have just been something in the water at the time, but it, it reminded me a lot, specifically the uh, Werewolf Woman movie, reminded me a lot of um, a Section 1, Section 2 movie, Section 2 movie, uh, Witch Who Came From The Sea, which is a fucking great movie. It's the, oh. I think it's the first movie Dean Cundy was DP on. Um, Ooh. And it's, it's if you've never seen it before, it's a high recommend from me. Um, and it's, it's one of those weird ones where you're like, why is this on the list, yet all these other movies that are blatantly more aggressive are not on the list? Um, so, was yeah, it a box art thing? Was there, like, titties on the no, box art the bo- the, it's, a, it's a beautiful hand-drawn um, box art of, like, yes, like a, a naked woman, but um, she's like, she looks at it. resembles nothing to do with the movie at all. <laughs> Which is common. Yeah, it looks like there's a kind of a kind of almost Bava esque witch kind of floating above a hand painted sea, and that doesn't happen in the movie at all, even a little bit, even remotely. Uh, It doesn't even resemble the character at all, and also she's not a fucking witch. Uh, I don't want to spoiler there, but um, you know what I mean. She's not a witch, but like, but very similar to us. I remember we're going to be talking about tonight that mentions the word werewolf. Um, But yeah, it's like. Oh, we could easily be up on these movies, and we are. Don't worry, we're not giving them a free pass. But at their core, there's some really interesting... Like, nowadays, a studio like an A24 would take on both these movies, and it would be a masterclass in suspense. Um, but back then, in 76, there's no real money. Um, they're only going to play in like cinemas that guys get the skin float out to. Um, uh-huh. So that's kind of what they become. I mean, I don't know. Has A24 ever done a movie that dealt with, like, uh, I, I keep seeing the word necrophilia thrown around in the description <laughs> for one of these movies, although I don't think that any of the characters ever actually have sex with the corpses, but no. I can't recall an A24 movie where anybody fucks a corpse except for, well, The Lighthouse, maybe? Uh, Is that mean, an A24 yeah, movie? Yeah, that's A24, yeah. It kind of maybe sort of happens in that movie. It's, imp- it's heavily implied if not done off camera. <laughs> that whole movie is implied. That whole movie is just like, hey, here's an idea. Oh, never mind. Which is kind of why I love it, but... Yeah, I, like, I, I think, like, like or, or maybe something like a... like a like film, a film studio like Neon that put out, um, like, Raw or, like, the Neon Demon or something like that. They could probably tackle something like this on a higher level. Because, like, the Neon Demon has... Murder, necrophilia, cannibalism, um, 
but you wouldn't like that's not the bits that people talk about about that movie they talk about how pretty the lighting is and the the absolutely amazing techno soundtrack um, right. you, you know what I mean so it's but that movie's full of all that stuff so it's just it's how it's it's how it's done and these movies unfortunately are done in a very exploitation sort of way that they're made I, for five bucks and you know it does they, they do have a kind of cheapness about them um even even werewolf women and once again i don't want to jump ahead too far I mean, it has a kind of the cinematography kind of feels like of like the '76 era where you were getting the change from uh, kind of Jalo to Polizia Teshi movies. Um, you get there's a the cinematography kind of carries over from the really good Jalos into this kind of police procedural stuff that became hugely uh, popular right after Jalos were no longer popular. Um, right. But the cinematographers are like they kind of jump over to do it. And because they're having to work in a kind of grittier environment, because it's all cops trying to solve cases and crack skulls, you get it, it, the it, there's a, a kind of weird like in between world where you have these like amazing cinematographers kind of having to slum it a little bit um, and doing those movies. And this is like Werewolf Woman has the same thing where like the cinematography is easily better than what this movie should have, um, and it's probably because it's a it's a job body cinematographer who is like I don't even know who he was and I'd be interested to see his back catalogue but I guarantee it's a ton of Jello movies from the 70s because that's how yeah, it's shot um, but and there's that as well I don't know it's going to be interesting the next episode that you're going to get at the end of the month um, we're going to be talking about two movies that are infinitely fucking better like just like effortlessly better and what's interesting about that is both those movies also cheap movies so yep. It's, it just goes to show, in the hands of the right people and the right audience, uh, you know what I mean? These ones are played to a completely different audience, Mark. Um, these are played to an audience of people that like to fap uh, <laughs> a lot. Uh, so, yeah. Having a chug. <laughs> Go to the, the, uh, I'm going for uh, the chug double bill tonight. Yes, I, I, don't worry, I brought my own lubricant and tissues. That's right. Um, <laughs> So yeah, before before we jump into talking about bloodlust and uh, our, our little friend uh, werewolf woman, um, and I, I suppose we're not going to do this on the next episode because we're recording these back to back. How you been since the last chat? It has been a little while, and we are kind of catching up. But everything going okay? Jesus Christ, no. no. <laughs> I mean, relatively, like, well, for, for starters, everything is on fire again. Yep. I, I think we went through the same thing last last summer where everything is on fire and going outside makes it feel like you smoked a fucking pack of camels overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sucks. Uh, my water heater fucking cratered over, over the course of this week, which was super fun. I got to go Tuesday through Friday night only taking cold showers, which is... <laughs> Self-inflicted psychological fucking warfare. Uh, I can't. I, uh, I. I feel bad for people who live in countries that don't have fucking running hot water. You know, yeah. like it's, it's one of those things you take take massively for granted until you don't fucking have oh, it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I had to very very quickly scrounge together about a thousand fucking dollars to get a new fucking water heater uh. installed because I was not willing to go very long without fucking hot water. Like I was just fucking dying for a hot shower by the time they finally got this thing hooked up. But 
got it taken care of. Uh, if anybody from the, the, the Twitter, Twitter sphere over there is listening, uh, I had a lot of people. I, I, I immediately, I knew this was going to be expensive to fucking replace. So, uh, I immediately rounded up all of the stuff from my action figure collection that I decided I couldn't live without and put it up for sale on Twitter. And people came out in fucking droves to not only buy this shit, but there was a handful of people that just, like, donated fucking money to, like, my PayPal and my Cash App, which is incredibly fucking generous of them. So if any of you guys are listening, I I love you, and I really, really fucking appreciated, like, all the help that I got on that. Uh, Basically, that sale and the handful of donations paid for the water heater and a little bit for the labor to have it installed by a professional plumber, so... Uh, if any of you guys are listening, thank you so much. That was like, that fucking humbled me massively and kind of restored some of my faith that there are indeed good people out there. So, uh, um, yeah, so that, that happened. Uh, I've been, yeah, I've been watching a whole bunch of shit. Uh, I was on like a bit of a documentary kick there for a little while. So nice. I watched the, the Woodstock 99 documentary How that's on that? HBO. How is, is it good? It's fucking, it's fucking depressing as hell. <laughs> like not, not only is the music just like, oh boy. I mean, I know, I know we're we're fans of the Fred Durst in this house. Like we <laughs> will not not de- be besmirch the the king of the nookie as uh, I'll start referring to him. Uh, <laughs> There's a funny bit in that documentary where basically the promoters fucking totally blame Limp Bizkit for, like, that show breaking out in a fucking riot and everybody getting super aggressive, but also they were charging $8 for fucking bottles of water. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. It was like 120 degrees out that fucking day, and they're out on the tarmac of an old Air Force base, so people are, like, keeling over from fucking heat stroke. A handful of, like, maybe not a handful, but at least a couple people died at that fucking concert. Yeah. I think most of it due to dehydration. Uh, the the way women were treated at this concert is like the most egregious, depressing fucking part of it because like everybody, all the dudes that went to this thing just had like a girls gone wild kind of mind frame and like assumed that because chicks were walking around in skimpy outfits they could just walk up and fucking grope them and shit and uh, they, they like somebody set up like a whole. <clears throat> like support group basically for women that went to Woodstock 99 that Jesus. were fucking assaulted there if that gives you any idea of how prevalent that fucking was um, yeah it's a hard fucking watch man I was I don't know 13 or 14 in 1999 and I remember seeing clips of this on MTV because uh, especially Kurt Loder was just like yeah. he, he had a fucking meltdown that weekend like they, they had to like rush the MTV crews the fuck out of there once people started lighting stuff on fire and I remember seeing a lot of the footage of it on MTV when I was a kid and uh, yeah I, I think it, it's taken me until now to be like man that looks like not very much fun I'm yeah. really fucking glad that I was nowhere near that bullshit or any other show that turned into Lord of the Flies like this one fucking did. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's on HBO. It's it's, it's an interesting watch. I, I I chased that up with the two Fire Festival documentaries <laughs> that came out like two years ago. So it's like ah, well, I'm, I'm I'm on a kick of like things going horribly wrong. And then the the, uh, the beauty of that one is like those like those two Firefly documentaries are really really a fireface not firefly um fireface are really really interesting because the one that's on netflix is made by the pr company behind it that what do you call uh, it fuck a uh, fuck jerry yeah fuck jerry they're the ones that made the one for and you you what you've noticed about that is they come off 
relatively smelling of roses in that one and then you watch uh-huh. the other documentary and it turns out just as fucking bad as everyone else if not worse yeah yeah the one the one on Hulu definitely levels a lot more of the blame at like the influencers yeah. and people that fucking helped this guy con all these people into going to this fucking disaster of a fucking non-festival and I know uh, it definitely I, doesn't Neither one of them paint Ja Rule in a very fucking nice light. He seems like a huge cock face. Um, Not that I should... It still makes me laugh, because at my core, I'm just like a 13-year-old idiot, right? I only really am. But the the, the, the dude that has to basically go and suck a guy's cock to get water... He Um, he was totally ready to. That's what I love about him, is he was totally just like... He's like, you know, I, I, I... this, I, I told him this is what and I had to go down there you know I would have and then there's a wry smile on his head I'm like yeah you would have you dirty bitch <laughs> you yeah, Customs was holding all of the fucking bottled water for however many thousand people were supposed to show oh, up and man. for whatever reason yeah the other promoters were like hey dude you're you're I, I think the line they use is you're you're the gay uncle of this this organization so how about you go take one for the team yeah and the dude's like <sighs> All right, <laughs> and thank, thankfully he didn't have to because yeah, it seemed like a really degrading thing for him. But uh, yeah, that's that's probably the best part of that <laughs> fucking one. But those are those are both massively entertaining. Uh, the uh, I watched, I got about halfway through a really interesting one on Hulu. I think it's called Skin: The History of Nudity in Movies. Oh came wow! Out, came out a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, kind of relevant to doing the nasty type stuff. Uh, m- most of the, the parts that I watched were. Uh, go all the fucking way back to the beginning of cinema where they're like, you know, they basically say right out, they're like, oh yeah, the film was invented. 15 minutes later, they were like, let's film some naked people. <laughs> and this is a really interesting, yeah, kind of documentary. And like, I didn't really, I don't, I'm not super knowledgeable about the early days of like the, uh, the code of conduct basically mm-hmm. that everybody adopted as far as films go. Really, uh, like 1920s or so, like maybe pre-sound, yeah. basically, because before before that, each state had their own kind of standards as far as like what could pass in a fucking movie, especially in regards to sexuality and nudity, kind of. And, uh, so you'd have you know 30 different cuts of a movie, like going out to each you know jurisdiction or whatever. So basically, I think all of the like film production companies, which there were not very many of at this point, there was maybe fucking half a dozen like actual companies making movies and you know probably you know handful of crazy people that somehow ended up with cameras mostly it was a fucking rich people kind of thing back then but yeah they all kind of came yeah. together and formed like a code of conduct where they're like all right this is the standard that we're going to be all be held to in the entire united states basically and that was kind of the death of like i mean i'm sure there was still plenty of like underground theaters and like you know cd places where you could go watch like a nudie for a fucking nickel or whatever kind of deal but uh largely yeah nudity and sexuality became extremely implied in movies until i don't know like the fucking 60s or 70s basically (laughs) like it went away for a long time but uh, it's still like really interesting stuff they talk about like where you know directors would try and get away with stuff and imply like stuff that's yeah. extremely fucking sexual between like the 30s and the you know 50s or so uh, but yeah really cool documentary it's 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 long so I, I watched it at the end of the night and didn't like, get all the way through it I'll probably go back and finish that uh, nice. there's a really are you familiar with Big Brother magazine? Um, no. That was a skateboard magazine that came out in the early... Oh, right, I... 
I've heard about this, right? So, wait, wait, wait. Like, so, um, Big, is Big Brother magazine the one that Jeff Tremaine worked for? Yes, yeah. Is where, right, right. I've got you, got you. Yeah, yes, I have heard of it before. Yeah, there, there's a really cool documentary about it on Hulu called, I think it's called Dumb, the story of Big Brother. And it kind of goes back into, uh, yeah, the, the early days of Big Brother magazine, which, like, I, I know you're a few years older. You're like, I don't know, four or five something years older than me. But yeah, definitely when I was like a little shithead teenager, like 13, 14 years old, skateboarding was fucking humongous. Like, skateboarding <laughs> ruled the goddamn world. Like, uh, so all of, like, I, I was a terrible skateboarder, so I didn't do a lot of it. I, I wore the shoes because they were comfortable. And I had people ask me all the time, like, hey, do you skate? And I'm like, nope. And they're like, you're a fucking poser. <laughs> You should not be wearing those <laughs> shoes. But anyway, I definitely remember some friends having copies of Big Brother magazine. And it was uh, like basically the magazine that like your parents would be fucking appalled if they found out you had like I, I'd forgotten a lot of the the type of stuff they used to write about. Like I remember articles about how to make a fake ID or like how to <laughs> how to buy crack from a homeless person or uh, <laughs> the one they brought up in the documentary that I think got him in a lot of trouble was how to kill yourself. And oh, it's it's all Jesus. it's all done very like tongue in cheek, and I mean tongue in cheek, yeah. But <laughs> but your parents finding something like that, like if you know stashed away behind your fucking mattress or whatever, would definitely get you in some fucking hot water. I, I would assume. But uh, yeah, I remember I had to I had to sit down and have a heart to heart with my mother when I was fifteen to explain why I had a book on Ted Bundy. Oh, she thought you were going to become a serial killer because you're interested in that no, sort of she, thing. She just couldn't. She just couldn't work out why I why I would want to read a book like that. And I was like, that you you act like I'm not in the macabre stuff, yet you are the person that gave me like a bag full of like it was like twelve Stephen King books when I turned fourteen. Right. I was like, you gave me that, so you must have known on some level I was into some darker shit. And she's yeah, but that's fiction. And I'm like, right, I understand. It's just like, and I was like, but a lot of the, like, and even that, even in my 15 year old brain, I was like, yeah, but a lot of the stories that you did hear are birthed out of ideas that come from the real world and real people. Yeah. So yeah, she's still d completely like unhappy with the fact that that I'm almost, I'm, I'm 40 this year, um, and I still um obsessed with serial killers right. I mean and <laughs> that fees has just taken a while to go well, well, like her point about like well that's fiction and this is real life I mean it's it's yeah. no it's no different than kids that are like big into war and start reading about like oh, the Nazi course, regimes yeah. and stuff they yeah, they don't course. grow up to become fucking Nazis it's not like they're, no. they're the two things it's, are... it's, a curi it's a curiosity and I, I think knowledge is a good thing I think reading up on these things is a good thing because I think it gives you a better grasp of the world like just like also makes you able to identify traits in people a lot quicker um like that person is toxic i don't want them in my life nope. you just cut them out Ab straight away absolutely yeah uh this this was a weird a weird segue from uh the big brother magazine because yeah re re reading shit like that or watching you know like that, that was the big fear when jackass finally rolled around and it was yeah. all over mtv was that like kids were gonna i mean that's basically like why you don't see it on air anymore and like you know a month or two after a premiering on mtv they're like we gotta slap fucking warnings on every second oh, God, of yeah, thing, get us out that. of hot water with the fucking lawyers and it's kind yep. of the same thing with Big Brother magazine. Like people fucking like parents hated this shit when it came out, and like they got like run out of their fucking hometown, I think, or like the you know the people that like found out that this magazine was being published in their hometown in California wanted them fucking out, 
and uh, yeah, they just they, yeah, you you could find it on the you know the newsstand right next to you know like Transworld magazine or like Thrasher, the all the other skateboard magazines and BMX stuff and stuff that was huge at the time. And you open it up and it's got titties and dicks and like drug yeah. use <laughs> and fucking suicide and violence and just all this insane shit in it and. It got him in a lot of trouble, and I think uh, Larry Flint eventually ended up buying the magazine. And what's weird about that is... Why does that not surprise me? He, well, what's weird is when he took it over, he made them take all the titties and dicks and stuff out and kind of water it down a little bit because he didn't want it to be relegated to the porno section of fucking Barnes & Noble. Like, he wanted it on actual newsstands. And that, that, yeah. that was like... Well, because he's, he's already got his outlet that's... On those yeah, he runs too. ten other fucking porno magazines full of all yeah. the all the vag and shit, the people pissing on each other that you could possibly fucking want. But like, yeah, the uh, <laughs> and then I think shortly after, like Jackass came out, and yeah, Jeff Tremaine and Johnny Knoxville and a bunch of those dudes kind of left to go do that, and that was uh, like basically like the down the downside yeah. of big big brother magazine and eventually it went away but yeah I, I i hopped on ebay looking to see i'm like i would be really curious to fucking read some of these nowadays and see if it's like still as shocking as i remember turns out they go for big bucks on fucking ebay now i think you're gonna pay uh, about nine hundred dollars for a copy of issue one so uh yeah but there, i'm sure there's still lots of those floating out around there but uh yeah really cool documentary i had never seen the footage of johnny knoxville shooting himself in the chest with a 38 with a bulletproof vest on that's like wow how'd you know it's fucking intense man uh, it's, it's so fucking harrowing because yeah he's gotta like really psych himself up to do it and he's he's standing there with like two other people like one that's filming it and one that you know just came along for the ride or whatever and there's a part in the documentary where they're like yeah, the guy that was supposed to film this uh, decided at the last minute that he didn't want to, and he told me that it was because he had just seen one of his friends fucking die doing a similar kind of stunt, and like they're, uh. they're like talking him, trying to talk him out of it all the way up until the point where he pulls the fucking trigger, and he's using a revolver. Uh, I have a similar 38 like Smith and Wesson hammerless. It's got five five potential rounds in the chamber and they did the stupid fucking Russian roulette thing where they only put one bullet in it and then forgot where the fuck mm. it's at so he pulls the trigger four fucking times before the gun finally goes off and it is loud the pistol goes flying out of his fucking hand and they all just like as soon as they realize that like he didn't just blow a fucking hole through his chest they all just look at each other and like let's get the fuck out of here before the fucking cops yeah. show up and Oh man, it's it's fucking it's it's intense. To fucking that watch. dude legitimately has no fear. Mm-mm. Like Johnny Knoxville has no fear. Like there's that. Um, it's not nearly as dangerous. Although it could have fucking been. Um, is it in the second Jackass movie where they do it's the it's the non-lethal um, anti-riot pellets? Oh yeah. That basically fire out the mines that fire out. And he's got, it's, I think it's Ryan Dunn and Bam Margera are beside him, and they they have they've got on like full protective gear and masks and all the rest, and he literally just puts his hand over his balls and his other hand over his face and then just stands right in the fucking middle of it, and when the thing goes off, the the like uh, Margera and Dunn hit the fucking ground or in tears. Yeah. And all the rest, and Knoxville is laughing. <laughs> he's a bit of a sadomasochist, he's, I think. Yeah, he's, he's laughing hysterically. He, he's way getting them to do it as well. <laughs> he, he's, he says, 
it's like that. It's just going to be really loud. It's just, it's just, it's going to be loud. I mean, it's going to hurt, but it's just going to be really loud. And he just walks in, no fucking fear. I, I mean, the guy has. I suppose once again, I suppose if you've done that, if, you know, if you stood with a revolver in front of you and fired a shot like at yourself, everything after that becomes a little less dangerous. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's probably very true. Everything becomes yeah. kind of milk toast after that. But yeah, fuck, that's a yeah. That, that documentary is fucking great and I'm, I'm really excited there's a new Jackass movie coming out this fall oh okay. <laughs> okay. and the thing is they're all old and like I don't want to see them get hurt but I'll go open the night and I'll laugh like that 13 year old idiot that I told you about before <laughs> yep. I still am he's still uh, alive inside of us <laughs> I mean, of course I, I can't wait um, I just don't know how it resonates with teenagers nowadays you know what I mean because they've not grown up with Jackass, whereas we grew up with Jackass. So I don't know well, yeah. if that has transference or... You know what when, I mean? It's like... When we were kids, we couldn't hop on YouTube and find hundreds of thousands of fucking videos of people doing stupid shit. We had to go to the skate shop and buy skate videos and get stuff like CKY2K or, the, you know, the Big Brother videos or fucking... Uh, stuff like that to see people doing dumb yeah. shit now, now, yeah that's an interesting question I don't know how kids nowadays would react to that I, I assume they still think it's pretty funny but also it might seem kind of tame compared to shit they've probably seen on the internet yeah pretty much <laughs> so and uh, interesting you were mentioning documentaries I would uh, I would recommend um, I put my phone down but is it um, a Mormon murder or a uh, Mormon murder story or something. It's on Netflix, a three-part miniseries. Um, and it is fucking great. Because <laughs> I knew nothing about this. And um, when the reveal happens in that, I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> it's basically, uh, without getting into too much detail that might give away anything. Um, I don't know how much you know about Mormonism. I knew as much as the last podcast on the left had taught me about it. Right. So they did like a six part series on Mormonism. And basically, um, they are, like Mormons themselves are, there's a huge thriving business for early Mormon artifacts. So specifically like letters or documents written in or around the, the origin of the religion of Joseph Smith. And um, there's this one guy who becomes a bit of a rock star within the scene in that he dedicates his life to tracking down and verifying like documents of the time and this is all kind of like the setup in the first episode he manages to come across a, <laughs> a letter supposedly written by Joseph Smith of the era saying that like part of the story is he went into the woods and he met an angel and the angel gave him these tablets from God and this was how he was trusted to write the Book of Mormon right um, but <laughs> apparently in these letters which were known as the white salamander letters Joseph Smith actually spoke to a white salamander and not a angel <laughs> right and of course the church were fucking freaking out of this because like it, it sounds like witchcraft Sounds like witchcraft, yeah. It sounds like devil stuff. Um, so, but the letter was verified. The church spent a fortune buying this letter off, basically locking it away, so no one can see it. But this guy was like, he was a bit of a rock star, and then he was—he'd apparently found these like super important documents, and there was going to be this high-profile deal, this kind of trading buyout of these documents. And on the day that this deal was supposed to happen, 
two fucking pipe bomb explosive frag bombs go off at two offices involved with the people that were doing the trade, basically killing two people. Um, okay, I kind of... How long ago is this? I kind of maybe remember the real-life story of this, like, on the news a little bit. Uh, so, so this is... I want to say this is, like, maybe within the last two decades. Maybe 20... It's within your lifetime. Right. So it's happened within your lifetime. Well, and, like, but yeah, U- so, Utah is our next-door neighbors, which is kind of the fucking... Like, at least nowadays, that's kind of the, you know, the mecca for fucking Mormonism, I think. Yeah, you must have, like, you must, like, there's there's no way, like, I imagine this plays better to me because I'm British, right, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, I, ain't, I got the closeness there, but I imagine this is one of these stories that's relatively well known over there. But, basically, the dude, this dude, this rock star trading dude for all this stuff, he goes to get in his car to drive these documents to make a trade, and there's a bomb in the car. And the bomb goes off, and he is basically he's on like life support and all the rest manages to pull through. And that's where I will stop the story because the police and the FBI get involved, and of course, instantly the eyes turn on the church. Right. You know, have the church pay the hitman to do all the rest. I'm gonna say as the story goes fucking crazy from there. It's the three part thing on uh, Netflix, very much worth your time if you're in the mood for some true crime documentaries with a holy fucking shit sort of spin on it um, so yeah that's about the extent I've, I've been wanting to check out that Woodstock one and now that you mentioned other ones those ones are on the list as well yeah I might have to check out that Mormon one I, I've known more than a few Mormon or sometimes former Mormon people in my lifetime yeah. the, fir- the first stripper that I ever met was from Utah and she like kind of grew up like in the Mormon church and like basically got saddled with a dude as her husband and had a kid with him. And then like when she, you know, got a little bit older, finally realized this fucking sucks. I'm going to take the kid and fucking leave. And she went and became a stripper. And I met her in fucking Rock Springs, Wyoming. And she was a very (laughs) extremely fucking interesting person. Like I I remember just sitting at the bar, having a really long conversation with her. And yeah, then she, you know, fucked off to go show her titties to some fucking trucker or something. Like, it was like, (laughs) interesting, weird experience. But yeah, there it's, it's a, it's a, I don't want to call it a weird religion, just in case there's somebody listening to this as a practicing Mormon or whatever. But uh, they're interesting. There's some interesting people within All re- that yeah. subsection. All religions are weird. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, and if you don't believe in a religion, you are equally as weird to people that have belief. I think yep. that's just the bottom line. As like human beings are weird. I think that's just a good catch-all. Um, as as you will find out, watch from this segue. As you will find out when we talk about movies that we're doing tonight made by people that thought these were great ideas um so <laughs> uh will we get into this will we will we tackle off our bloodlust first and get this one put to bed um are you ready mark are you in the right frame of mind i mean no but let's do it <laughs> you can't be in the right, right mind frame for this movie it's oh man no. we'll, we'll get to it <laughs> it's yeah, this is this is the prime example of this is based in fact. So th- this would have been the great. Th- I, I was gonna say this would have been great, the great weapon for me to use in that conversation with my mother. But uh, imagining myself watching this movie with my mother would make me want to fucking like crawl my own ass and die. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna be discussing bloodlust. Uh, this is our first movie of two we'll be doing tonight. This is from 1976. We're going to take a short break, though. You're going to hear learned, educated people from the Video Nasties documentary um, tell you a little bit about why they think this movie could have possibly been put 
on a ban list. I wonder why. I can't imagine. I really wonder. I can't imagine why. Uh, yeah, you're going to hear the end of that. You're going to hear the trailer for the movie when we return. Myself and Mark going to be discussing that movie right after this. So, Bloodlust, uh, a.k.a. Mosquito de Shanda, a.k.a. The Vampire of Nuremberg, a.k.a. a whole bunch of other things. This is one of those movies from the 70s that all these years on, I still am not sure if I've got a, a, a handle on what it is. It's a Swiss picture. It's the first movie by a director called Marion David Vida, who went on to have what you might think of as a bland international TV career. You remember the, uh, the Saint TV movies with Simon Dutton? Directed one of those. Um, otherwise... It falls into a weird category. I can think it's halfway between Uli Lommel's Tenderness of the Wolves and George Romero's Martin, and nowhere near as good as either of those. But it's more like a artistic portrait of an alienated psychopath than it is a sleazy exploitation movie. However, our friends at Duran Video, who, uh, who released this in the, the UK, uh, in a version with most of the sleazy stuff cut out, obviously they wanted an exploitation picture. You can tell from the cover, they're going for the, there's naked bird on the back and there's a, a, a psychopath fondling eyeballs on the front. And it's dubbed so it doesn't have that distancing art film effect. But looking at the movie, you can sort of see the remains of this arty movie about um, a, a traumatised guy who becomes a, a necrophile, a corpse fondler, and then becomes a sort of vampire um, with this strange artificial glass straw fang thing, which is the, the film's strongest image. And there's a little bit of weird porky office humour in there as well, which may have played better in the original language than it does in the in the dub. Um, it is one of those pictures you wonder what somebody who was trying to rent out a, a gory, sexy horror film thought of. Because like a lot of European psycho sleaze movies, it's fundamentally depressing more than anything else. Uh, there are little flickers of artiness in it, uh, Werner Pockath, who's the your, your lead guy, he's in Argento's Cat and Nine Tales, and uh, and pops up in lots of other European things. But this is his his chance for greatness, his chance for for Peter Lorridum, as it were, and and he goes for it full full out. I mean, there's a lot of Popeye stuff, and it, and evoking Laurie makes you realise that the urtext of all these films is M. This is the movie that they all wanted to be. Fritz Lang's M cast a huge shadow over the whole yep, serial killer genre or alienated lunatic uh, inside the mind of a psycho genre. And in the 70s, that was still a, a cool thing for ambitious filmmakers to latch onto to make your own first feature. Maybe all the way down to Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, yeah, also is in that tradition. Uh, this is a minor addition to that tradition. It's actually quite an interesting picture if you can see it um, in a longer cut than the one that came out on, on video here. Uh, you can tell from the the associational materials that they were trying to push it as something it was not. Um, I, don't, I doubt if it... Um, 
fulfilled the fantasies of people who rented it out, hoping for sleazy exploitation in the 80s, but uh, it's now something that's of minor interest as a footnote. I suspect it's the eye abuse is the hot ticket nasty thing about it. Um, yeah, eyeball gouging was, a, was sort of one of those things that, that crops up over and over again as you know, the gruesome, gory stuff uh, in the videos that got passed around. I think it's rather more sensitive about necrophilia than you might expect. Um, I mean, it's a corpse mutilation movie rather than a corpse sex movie. Yeah, small subgenre, but there it is. Uh, I, I would imagine that it got hauled in as a uh, Category 3 offensive movie because of its title more than anything else, Bloodlust. I'm not even sure they meant this film. There were no other films on the market with that title, but it's so generic. It's so on the nose as to what people were upset about by the video nasties, the, the conjunction of sex and gore, uh, that you sort of feel that Bloodlust could just be yeah, any one of a dozen other pictures. This couple is in a motion picture theater getting the scare of their lives. They are watching a film that demands the strongest nerves. Can you take it? could have written this gruesome story. A picture that will haunt your nightmares for years to come. human mind, your mind, is capable of horrors you never imagined possible. It is a film you owe it to yourself to see, but only if you can take it.
and welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Bloodlust from 1976. This one was written and directed by Marajan Vajda, I think is how you pronounce that. Probably isn't, but I don't care. Um, the movie itself stars... Oh, a bunch uh, of Swedish of people. people. Yeah, let's not do their names. And um, the synopsis for this one is he deaf and dumb accountant suffers from a psychic trauma in his childhood. He is collecting puppets and mutilates female bodies in the mortuary after his secret love died by an accident. He starts to kill. Worst synopsis ever. It's barely even English. Yeah, they're not puppets for one thing. They're dolls. They're dolls, collects. not fucking puppets. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, another doll movie as well. Yay! Yeah, those pop up a lot in the... Uh in these and it's always dudes collecting the dolls it seems like they're, they're definitely trying to make a statement back in these days about dudes that collect fucking dolls which I take a look to my left and look at my fucking massive <laughs> action figure collection I'm like hmm maybe they're on to something uh, they're, they're I, I, I don't know if it's under like the alternate title or something but I could not find the fucking Wikipedia page for this movie but I'm looking at the IMDB page and it's got a cut. It's it's got a slightly better synopsis, which I won't read because we, you know. But the uh, the the tags, like the the hashtags for this movie, basically are yeah. real interesting. Uh, we got the first one is female pubic hair. The second one is accountant. The third one is child molestation. The fourth one is funeral, and the last one is twisted behavior. And there's apparently almost thirty more of these, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Female pubic hair is the first one, which I'm yeah. like, hmm. Okay. You, you yep. swing that, you swing that hashtag out, and I'm like, winner, winner, chicken dinner, Mark. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the, the other movie we're talking about tonight has infinitely more female pubic hair than this. Jesus than Christ! I mean, you, I get, you get labia like first first five fucking minutes of that thing, but this one is you yeah. can you can count the folds. That's it. <laughs> That's literally what you can do in the next movie. Um, so this one is loosely based on I think it's the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Um, I believe who was a real life serial killer uh, or a real life killer I don't know if it was technically a serial killer who originally um, believed he was a vampire once again the link to Martin uh, and so started digging up freshly buried bodies to drink the blood because um, he thought it gave them power he apparently also had sex with female bodies um, and then ultimately uh, when it didn't give him the desired effect I imagine it made him very ill um, he decided that what he would do is move to the real world and he memory serves he shot a couple in their car very Zodiac style uh, drank the blood from them and then was uh, caught by police uh, and the usual stuff happened after that which I think was I think it was like not long before this movie was made that all that stuff happened as well. So that's wild. Um, I didn't know about any of that. But not. But you fucking wouldn't know, Mark, because there's like no. But this is the sort of movie that would benefit from an opening line like based on a true story or some shit like that. You know, you could merit it in this movie as like as a contrast to every other horror movie now that says that which isn't even remotely fucking yeah that's been kind of ruined for me like if this one had it I don't know if I, I'd be like that's bullshit no fucking way this really happened yeah apparently I mean, so this, well this dude well, I, I don't think he collected doll, well puppets and dolls did and he have HR shit, Giger but... posters on his wall <laughs> I mean who doesn't at this stage Mark poor Giger um, 
Uh, yeah, like... The, the, the thing that struck to me when watching this is this is... this. I, I hate to keep using Martin as an example for this one, but it really did... You know, that was in the back of my head. Um, you know, she, this is... This is, like, pure trash. This is, like, absolute... <laughs> 100% pure trashy sleazy cinema which I think has an interesting idea at its core like at its core the idea of kind of obsession you know the, 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 the idea of on some level to an extent what we would class and movies are doing it a lot better now like even post-Martin the transfiguration from like 2014 um you know, kind of brought forward that idea, kind of modern idea of if you truly believed you were a vampire, you know what I mean? Like, if you truly believed in that and that you were becoming that, this is what you would have to do in order to become one. You would have to follow those those kind of, those those tropes and trends ooh, and from ooh, literature ooh. and history. Another yes. one that just, just came out that is totally along those lines, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. I've heard about this movie, I've still see it, I've heard it's brilliant kind of along those lines I, I won't say much more than that but yeah it uh, fits into that category big time yeah it's a pop the thing is like martin to me is the one that kind of puts that on the map but this comes out the same year as martin so technically these two movies were doing things kind of similar so it's obviously an idea out there once again could it be based in real life probably like i mentioned you've got that german serial killer try to remember if richard speck is Richard Specks, maybe 70s, late 70s, and he was the same idea. He killed people, drank their blood because he believed he was a vampire. Um, and he was on the American side, so I imagine, once again, you get those ideas. So it's a, like, it's a cool concept of what, let's imagine that vampirism isn't a real thing, it only exists in literature. And let's also put this idea of, like, kind of the mental deficiency or the mental health aspect that carries around someone believing that and how depraved those actions would seem to a normal populace when those were interacted on that at its core is something really fucking interesting like we see we've seen other examples of it done in other movies done a lot better this movie sadly <laughs> sadly is kind of like yeah that's a really cool idea but look boobies um, and look like like torture and look like killing and look like necrophilia and look you know like uh. it's just it, it kind of it devolves into almost shock cinema as opposed to it's not even almost shock, it devolves to shock cinema which overshadows the the what I think is the interesting part of the movie which is the story itself this idea of this character um, to me is the obsession and all the rest should be the crux of this but every time we get like a death or we get you know a, a mutilation or we get something along those lines it kind of undermines all that and it, that becomes like a, a distant thought because what you're getting is the you know the the titillation of gore on the screen which is to me the least interesting aspect about this movie how did you get on with it because i know this was one that you were kind of not looking forward to, to, to checking out i think mostly because of the uh, alternate names for the movie which had the word rapist in it so yeah, yeah, yeah. bloodlust aka mosquito the rapist so I mean, yeah. yeah right there i'm just like oh no this is gonna be a fucking <laughs> rough watch and indeed it was uh this was this is a fucking rough watch uh 
I mean, we, we opened the fucking thing, like, right off the bat with some fucking child abuse and implied... Not even implied, like, it was fucking... It pretty much shows, like, you know, I, I hope to fucking God that actress that plays his sister is fucking 18, because, uh... Uh, we, we, we get some nudity and some implied child molestation at the beginning of this movie, and that's, I think, like, that's really, like, the extent of, like, trying to explain the psychology of the, our, our main character, whatever the fuck his name is. We'll call him Mosquito, because that's kind of, I don't think he has a name. I, I think he, I think he's only No, there's, like, no character in this movie has a name. Right, so yeah, we, we, we get Mosquito, he's... He's he has like an alcoholic, abusive, molesting fucking dad, basically, and we get a little little bit of that backstory, and then it fast forwards to him as an adult. He's living in a fucking slummy ass apartment. His neighbors all think is he's weird. I mean, they all know he's like quote deaf and dumb, which is a fucking phrase I absolutely despise. Uh, he's mm. he's deaf and mute. Uh, he. He works as an accountant. He's apparently, like, really good at his job, but for some reason his co-workers are all needlessly fucking mean to him and, like, just abuse him and do awful fucking shit and, you know, talk about him horribly behind his back, uh, which kind of brought me back to, like, Love Butcher kind of vibes where it's oh, just God, like, yeah. dude, people are mean to people all the fucking time. They don't all become serial killers and necrophiliacs and want to be vampires and shit. That's a, that's a poor excuse to explain your fucking character's motivation. Um, there's some uh, very, very 70s uh, prostitute action in this movie because Mosquito, like, I think in an attempt to kind of, you know channel his rage into something that's like not you know murdering fucking people well for one he collects dolls which is never really explained like, except for like mm -hmm. in the one shot of the doll's face being smashed when his sister is being fucking raped uh they so the other thing he does is he goes to prostitutes and he just cannot uh there there's some there's some real you know clumsily handled i mean granted this was the 70s but clumsily mm -hmm. handled uh things about sexuality in this movie and that this dude cannot get his fucking rocks off with prostitutes no matter what they look like or what they do like there's actually like they do it twice in this movie he goes to one who <laughs> fairly graphically washes her fucking vagina out in a little vagina tub <laughs> before they get banging which i'm sure is like a that's a prostitute thing that i was not aware of for obvious vagina reasons. tub a yeah, vagina that's tub right. That's, that's yes, if you go if you go to vaginatub.com and put in the <laughs> promo code nasty, <laughs> you get fifteen percent off. Hashtag not a sponsor. Don't don't get us in trouble for this. If that's a real fucking thing, but yeah. So, so, also, that'd be the worst promo code ever for a oh vaginatub. I mean, but if you put nasty, nasty, <laughs> put the, the code nasty at checkout. Comes with free tetanus and fucking full of full of the clap. <laughs> Uh, so Mosquito goes goes to this racist or not racist Jesus uh, this prostitute and fucking yeah he, he quickly leaves because he can't like I forget is, is there like some you know not flashback type stuff but he's he's basically thinking about killing people this whole time while this chick yeah. is trying to get, help yeah, him yeah. get his rocks off so he, he fucks off uh a little bit later, we meet the neighbor that's, like, about the only person that's nice to him in this whole entire fucking movie. She's, like, a very aloof and either drugged out or, like, mentally ill kind of, like, hippie chick that hangs out in his apartment building and just likes to sit in the courtyard and listen to the same fucking classical record over and over again, kind of. 
Uh, she's like the only one that's nice to him in this movie, and he, you get the impression he has kind of a crush on her. But then he goes up to his painted black apartment with the H.R. Giger posters on the wall and like smashes a fucking doll or like it's he's 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 venting his aggression with these dolls and like I don't know how he maintains a collection when he fucking smashes them in like several scenes of this movie I'm like you're gonna run out of dolls eventually dude like this is a weird use of your money kind of but uh eventually like I don't I kind of forget like how he even gets to it but eventually he uh like it's he he's lusting for blood yes and maybe not even so much that but he's definitely like lusting for like it's basically implied that he can't get his rocks off unless they're fucking dead which sounds like yeah. a psycho billy song i'm sure many many a band <laughs> have written songs like that but uh he 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 acquires this weird glass uh like fork straw i don't from yeah. a from a like science scientific supply store basically and starts breaking into mortuaries and digging up graves and sucking the blood of uh, mo- mostly dead women. I don't know if he ever does it to a man in this movie or not. And the until the end when he also comes upon the, uh, you know, we get our little Zodiac moment where the couple's banging in the woods and he comes up and fucking kills both of them with like a hammer or a wrench or something. But mm-hmm. uh, the the blood sucking scenes are fucking hilarious to me. Like they they use I these t- yeah. The shitty 3M blood, and he, he like, uh, there's one shot where I think he, like, cuts a chick's head off that's pretty fucking gruesome, and they actually, like, maybe spent a tiny little bit of money on some makeup effects, but the rest of them, and this happens over, there's, like, five or six scenes where he does, like, basically the exact same thing, digs up a fucking grave and stabs a little fork into their neck and uh, drinks their blood, like, really hilarious, I mean, like... I don't know if I yeah, it's like it, to it's me, like, like I couldn't stop giggling because all I could think about was uh, Dracula dead and loving it. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's the same. Like Leslie Nielsen, he's got a straw, and you hear him. Like, well, I, I don't think it is a straw, but I think he's drinking blood at some point, and you get the straw sound effects. Yep, like when you're of, at the like, end of a, at the bottom of a milkshake. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's comical more than fucking anything. It's, it's fucking hilarious, and like. The, the cheap looking blood makes it look like even yeah. more hilarious like it's, it's it's basically that over and over again there's a side plot with some fucking cops that does yeah. amount to anything or matter in the slightest but yeah it comes to like I mean it basically comes to how the fuck does this movie end I can't even remember now I, I know the, the couple it's like the sort of Zodiac like scene but like I don't remember how this movie ends does, he, does somebody walk up and shoot him or something Yes, the center and that I'm the same as you. Like this one, I watched what two weeks ago, and I genuinely can't remember the last five minutes. <laughs> I like I literally cannot remember how this movie finished. Well, while you were chatting there, I looked up just to confirm it wasn't the Vampire of Dusseldorf; it was the Vampire of Nuremberg. The guy's name was Kuno Hoffman. Now listen to this, and this is where you. Well, this is how you know straight away that this movie's. It's not even just that it's based. It is it's like. Uh, you know it's pretty much a you know a, a kind of retelling um, in 1972 so four years before this movie came out Kuno Hoffman was a deaf mute German labourer who crippled who uh, sorry a deaf mute German labourer a cripple who had spent nine years in a mental institution which he escaped 12 times from according to the public prosecutors he was perfectly sane and fully accountable for his actions but his actions were extraordinary by any normal standard the police have records of at least 35 occasions, 
between 1971 and 72, where Hoffman forced entry into graveyards and mortuaries near his home in Nuremberg. Holy shit. He was... He made copies of the keys to a local cemetery where he stole among the tombstones, heading eerily for fresh graves. He chose victims from death notes in newspapers and methodically made his way to a new corpse, stabbing in with a razor blade or a knife. Sometime he would, sometimes he would cut the head off, sometimes he would drink the blood. From his prison cell, Hoffman explained matter-of-factly that he did it to make himself good-looking and strong. In May 1972, Hoffman decided on a new approach. He found two young lovers in a car, shot them dead, drank the blood from their wounds and made them happy, he told the police, adding that the pretty young girl had been much better than the woman in the graveyards. Well, yeah, that's so, the thing, too. Like, when, when a body, when a person dies, I, I think your blood turns fairly solid, like, pretty quick. Yeah, like, you're, you're, once your blood yeah, stops yeah. pumping, it turns pretty co- coagulated. So that's that's another... Yeah. It's, it's going to be like sucking fucking maple syrup through a straw, Yeah, basically. yucky, Mark, is I think the word we're looking for here. It's yucky. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's, be, it's based on that. And in the real-life case, Hoffman um, was wild. arrested. 35 in a year man that's almost a weekly trip to the fucking march or the morgue or whatever you know the cemetery to dig up a fucking 35 in a year holy yes, shit 35 in a year so yeah jesus that's like that's that's more than one once a fortnight so more than once every two weeks. <laughs> christ all right yeah. well i mean that's uh, I, I wish i would have made a little more interesting movie because that's a fucking incredibly morbid fucking true story it's fucking based of, on of course it, of course it fucking is and then I watched this movie knowing that like to an extent and um and what I get is the exploitation version of it it's like when you watch that movie Deranged which is based on Ed Gein right. I don't know if you've ever seen that one from the 70s that's 70 is that 75 Deranged um and uh, it's, it's basically Ed, it's, it's the Ed Gein story uh, came out just after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was also kind of based on Ed Gein, but not really being. But this one was more in line with it. And you watch that, and it's just it's it's a whole lot of like extra stuff that just didn't happen that they yeah. tag in there to make to make it a movie essentially, which is the same here. You know, he's visiting prostitutes. I don't think that's part of the original case story. He's you know he you know he's his doll obsession. His doll obsessions, not it's all these things that you tag in it to make it more a horror movie. Whereas I would argue that just the basic bones of what I read out is horrific. Oh, fucking big time! Yeah, yeah. They should they should have pushed that a little bit more with this one, like the fact that it was based on a true story and yeah, got into the like the. I, I I get that there's a you know an exploitation director they're yeah. they're not probably super experienced or good at any of this so trying to handle like the the psychological aspects of the story would you know even if they attempted it would be pretty clumsy but I I would have dug a little bit more of that in this and yeah less of the uh, ad nauseum grave robbing scenes basically yeah this was his last movie. So they did, they did himself, uh, did what it looks like is a ton of documentary shorts. In fact, that was most of his career was documentary and documentary shorts uh, up until Bloodlust in 76, which is the last movie he's credited for. So, there you go. I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, what a note to go out on. Yeah, and the movie he made before this, though, is called... Uh, oh, come on, I just saw it and it made me, it made me giggle. Uh, <laughs> 
Where is it? Uh, oh no, he was the second unit director. So second unit director. Uh, guess what happened to Count Dracula? Ah. <laughs> uh, huh. That's a title. <laughs> That's even better. Uh, the, the, the synopsis for this one. Count Dracula changes his name to Count Adrian and opens a strange nightclub called Dracula's Dungeon. Oh Count God. Adrian sets on making the lovely Angelica his latest vampire bride by giving her three bites to the neck. It's apparently a comedy horror. Uh, Alright. And uh, almost... Oh, well there you go. Almost the entire plot of the film is copied by 1979's Love at First Bite. Which wow. is a movie I have seen before, so there you go. Weird. Yeah, that Strange. sounds, that sounds yeah. better than Bloodlust. I mean. Yeah, well, let's let's bring this in then. I, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. Overall, like I say, I think the there's something in it which I think is is would have made a really cool movie. I think in the hands of a better director, there would have been a better movie in here. I think it just devolves into kind of trashy cinema too often for me, and. Even it's like even the subject matter isn't like the well in which it plays in is played in by a lot of movies in this time period. It's just it feels just like that's the most important thing for him. Yeah. You know, is the is the sexual violence and not the the story. And I I kinda start to have issues when a movie does that. You know what I mean? And there might be people out there saying, Duncan, you're a fucking hypocrite in season one. You bigged up, you know, I spit in your grave. But to me, I spit in your grave. Yes, it spends 20-odd minutes with the, you know, the rape and degradation of a main character. But the rest of that movie is all about her revenge raid. And we follow that revenge raid. And we, we go through all our individual steps. And we see the toll it takes on that character. Thus, it's it's unwanted, but it's merited in the, in the story. You know what I mean? In the plot. This movie, it just never, you never get that. No, it's you it's never get anything close to that. All, it just, all the torture and nothing else. Yeah, yeah like and there, there is like even what you were saying about the child abuse at the beginning and whatnot. Like all these things are supposed to be setting up to give some sort of background or kind of credo to what the you know what has had the impact for the guy to do what he's doing. But it, it, they never really go into any sort of. In fact, the, the, the depths in which we plunge here are about as fucking shallow as a teaspoonful of water. You know what I mean? You never go beyond that at all. It's all superficial and there's no depth at all. And that becomes a bit of an issue, especially with the content you're doing here. Because I can see that content where it's merited, but if it's constantly flung in my face with no justification for it. Uh, that's where I think the next movie we're going to be talking about tonight handles it a lot better. Uh, by no... <laughs> way or stretch of the imagination does it handle it great but it handles it a lot better and this one just kind of feels like a vehicle to make a kind of trashy smutty sort of movie and um, it, it delivers on that if that's your thing then there's a couple of things in here it's also not very well shot or very well made if we're being honest it's a fucking ugly movie yeah very ugly movie um, so I mean what do I think you're gonna throw oh, a book at this one. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it like the the old hard time. But I do think there's enough in here to merit a harder grade than what I would usually give out. I think it probably gets the community service. 
from me, like which is the second highest grade, just to remind people out there, we, we have different levels of grade here based on on kind of comical looks at jail time. If a movie is like the worst sort of movie ever, which has been reserved for movies like I Spit in Your Grave, Last House on the Left, The Cannibal Holocaust, it gets hard time. Uh, the next one under that, which is it has content that is deliberately designed to shock and it's pretty good at it. Um, it gets community service. If it is trading the line lightly, it gets the old uh, slap on the wrists. And if it, there's nothing really of egregious merit in here to, to you know generate fuss or controversy, then it, it is a case dismissed. I'm going to give it community service. I don't think it's I, I don't think it's on par with things I've given hard time to, but there's certainly enough in here to elevate it above it. Like you see, it is the ugly ugly fucking watch and when it finished I just kind of felt like that's not a movie that I'll ever want to revisit so it's ticked off the list we've done it but that's as far as I'll go with it uh, what about yourself Mark closing thoughts and agreed I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty right I'm pretty much right there with you I, this is an ugly fucking movie it's a slog to watch I, I frankly fucking hated this movie like it was <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the same thing over and over again, and what it's what it, the same thing it does over and over again is fucking just, it's it's gross and not in a fun way. It's it's just a fucking uh, this this was this was tough to get through. Uh, just shout out to our listener Andy who was trying to find a copy of this, and I found one on a streaming website that I'd never used before called Classics. Uh, so I sent, I sent him the link to that cause you can watch it for free if you sign up for their fucking thing with an email. Uh, but the version that's on there is only in fucking German and there yep. are no English subtitles. So, uh, I did find this on, in the States. This is on Amazon. It's under the title. Uh, I think it's called bloodlust, the vampire of the dark forest or something like that. Uh, yeah. you, you can't find this under the title of Mosquito the Rapist for obvious fucking reasons. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Andy because I'm pretty sure he watched this in German. And I, I, I told him afterwards, you could, you could apparently buy this off of Amazon for about 15 bucks in, in the UK. It. I said, Andy, do not fucking do that. Just watch the German version. There's only like, a, you know, five minutes worth of fucking dialogue there's, in this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, there's... That was about to say, that's another thing, I, I suppose if your main antagonist here is mute, then you're not going to have a lot of driving dialogue, and they don't really do a lot of that at all, which I think aids it, whereas um, there's, a lot more, there's a lot more dialogue, uh, dialogue in the the other movie that we're doing in this one. So I, I, I had you not got a, like a dubbed version or a subtitle version, of um, kind of werewolf women, then that's maybe you might be a little a lost. Of yeah, that's a bit more of an issue. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Hopefully, he didn't go out his way. Andy, I've known you a long time. Hopefully, you did not. You just took Mark's advice here and just struggle with the German because um, <laughs> that's enough. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what he did. But uh, yeah, this is uh, you can you can skip this fucking movie. There's nothing fucking here really. I mean, if if you're a real if you're a real completist and you want to watch all these like we're doing, like it's. It's on there. It's classics with an X on the end of it. It's, it's not like a yeah. porn. Although when I was trying to find an English version of this, I did uh, like a quick Google search of this. It pops up on a lot of weird old like uh, 
uh, like a lot of people passing this off as like an erotica kind of movie, and I'm like, yeah. oh, are you fucking crazy? Like this is not this is not a boner time movie. This is a, a sad. <laughs> I need to go fucking go to church or fucking watch cartoons afterwards kind of movie or something. Yeah, and, uh, this is the sort of movie that if you get a boner while watching, you may want to speak to someone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm tempted to throw the book at this one, especially mm. because of the uh, the child molestation stuff at the beginning is done yep. the opposite way of how you should do that, which like you should yep. it should be uh, like they they almost like it's it's the the, the nudity, which God I hope uh, again if if, if any of these movies like make me think that I'm watching a fucking naked child or somebody that's not of the age of fucking consent then uh that's that's a pretty easy fucking throw the book at him kind of deal for me yeah. but I don't know for sure so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of I think I think if I think if it was you would know about it yeah you know what or, I mean there, or, like there would be a page somewhere online telling you that it would have been in the imdb or something right because that's something that's cataloged generally pretty quick in the trivia and there's very little trivia for this movie yeah so and, and yeah and I, I i highly doubt amazon would have fucking allowed this to stay on yes. their platform in any way shape or form if that was true but uh yeah de definitely the way that that scene is shot is like way more salacious than uh it, it should be like i, I don't know uh I'm giving this a pretty hard community service. I hated this fucking movie, but it didn't really like a lot of the like grosser stuff in this is like so badly done. It's almost comical. Like this, this movie didn't really like cut me to the bone like a couple movies that we've watched yep. on this show have. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to make this piece of garbage, go pick up some garbage on the side of the highway and a little vest with the <laughs> stick with the nail on it. That's, that's your punishment mosquito. Nice, right, uh, that is that movie down. We're going to turn our attention to another movie from the same year. We're going to be discussing a little werewolf woman. Um, we will be back to do that after, once again, those nasty experts tell you a little bit of the background of this movie. I get the feeling this might be an Alex Jones. I get a feeling. Not an Alex Jones, Alan Jones. Alex Jones would be funnier. <laughs> Goddamn werewolf woman! Werewolf turn, the, turn of the frog's gay! <laughs> Get your werewolf woman boner pills. <laughs> uh, Alan Jones. Alan Jones, not Alex Jones. I imagine this, because it's Italian, that's usually his forte. Be interesting to see what he made of it. Uh, but you don't have to wait to find out what he made of it, because he's about to tell you, and then you don't have to wait any longer than the trailer that comes after it to find out what we made of it. We're going to be right back right after this. True story, so brutal and horrifying, it was kept from the public for over a century. And what was this story? Yes, you guessed it. The legend of the werewolf woman. Rena de Silvestro's brilliant lycanthropic exploitation masterpiece. I love Rena de Silvestro's movies. He did Deported Women of the SS Special Section, one of my all-time favourites. Uh, this isn't quite up there, but it, it, it sort of works in a way. Quentin Tarantino loved it. In fact, he actually kicked off an Austin festival with this, and that slot has since been known as the Wolf Woman section. Alec Gorel plays La Lupa Manara. More about possession, really, because it was tying in with the exorcist trend than it was actually about werewolves. But it's still a pretty good movie. Bit slow. Um, some of the psychobabble section sort of slows it down to a bit of a snail's pace. I think it really could be snail woman more than anything else. But having said that, 
I mean, the makeup effects are pretty good. The special effects were done by Carlo Rambaldi, who was later to go on to E.T. and King Kong. Um, of course, we weren't interested in those. We were more interested in all the Lucio Fulci's, like a lizard in a woman's skin that he did. And this one, he often told me that Annick Burrell was, looked like a wolf anyway, so he didn't really need that much makeup. Just as well, because let's face it, what she's wearing, it looks like a, well, a hairy jumpsuit, probably made out of, you know, old chinchilla. But hey, you know, it worked for the time. It was more a sexploitation movie, I think, than anything else. Biggest surprise here is actually Howard Ross, or Renato Rossini, to give him his real name. Um, he plays a stuntman who actually falls in love with the werewolf woman, but he gives a very, very strong and muscular performance. Um, very atypical for him, um, despite the disco outfits, of course. And Dagmar Lysander, who often isn't credited to be in this movie, gives a lot of oomph to the meaty sex scenes. The first release of the movie was on the Cine Hollywood label, then it was on the Intercity Video label, and then it went to the Cockney Rebels special label. So this has had more releases than you could possibly imagine one video title could ever possibly have. And on the night of the full moon, the howl of the werewolf will be heard. Its terrible cry will make men tremble. They will close their shutters and bolt their doors. Then the werewolf will begin searching for food. Tearing to pieces whomever crosses its path. You liked Fabian, didn't you? Sure you did. I saw you making love with Fabian. the victim's death was caused by massive hemorrhaging with consequent hypopolemical shock. The lacerations and deep wounds around her throat are almost of an animalistic origin, but it's uncertain. Uncertain? Like that of an animal? Darling, where have you been? I've been worried. Where have you gone? I love a man, and he's making me very happy. And so you mustn't be worried. I'm so much in love. Good luck! Yeah, shut up! Now you bitch! Come here, you bitch! Grab her! 
Daniel is terribly ill. Incurably, Inspector. Well, unfortunately, I have a duty to perform. I have to find her before she can do any more harm. I knew it. I heard it all. My sister, Daniela, she murdered Fabian. <laughs> Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for our second and final movie of this episode. We're going to be looking at Werewolf Woman. This one came out in 1976. It was both written and directed by Reno Di Silvestro. Um, as you can imagine, Italian movie, which has a lot of Italian names in here again. But, you know, let's skip them. Let's just skip that bit. That bit's never fun for me when it's a foreign <laughs> movie. Um Never even a lot, but this uh, synopsis for this one is listed in IMDb is a woman has dreams that she's a werewolf, so she goes out and finds men. She proceeds to have sex with them and then rip out their throats with her teeth. She eventually falls in love, but is but then she is raped and her lover is murdered, so she goes out for revenge. And once again, I don't know who does the IMDb ones for these. I imagine it's because these are lesser watched movies, so. Yeah, maybe. That one that one just... part about her falling in love is completely fucking inaccurate. I don't think she it's ever falls so in inaccurate. love with anybody in this movie. <laughs> no. She can't that's a big part of it, I think, is she can't experience love. She physically can't because of what has happened to her. So um right, let's I I'll take the I'll take the lead on this. Cause I I I'm gonna choose my words wisely here. It's difficult for me to say I really liked this movie but there's a lot in this movie and it's not vagina before you start Mark right <laughs> is it werewolf nipples <laughs> maybe <laughs> uh, there was a lot about this movie that kind of made me feel that there was really interesting elements in here once again in the hands of someone that didn't know what he was doing however I think it's done better here and the movie that I kept kind of flagging at my brain was once again Martin Right, because in the case of this one, it's how she pers- the supernatural the supernatural vehicle that she sees herself becoming as a werewolf. Just a spoiler here: she's not actually a werewolf. <laughs> this is just how she she pictures herself as being sexually aggressive in a way to get the revenge that she needs, um, is by manifest the manifestation in her mind as her being a werewolf that sleeps with her prey before ripping out the throats. Right? So there's there's that aspect. But once again, there was that idea also of, and I highly recommend that What You Came From The Sea is also kind of, was in the back of my head, which is in or around the same time period as well. I want to say that was like 76, maybe 75. Um, so there's elements of that in there as well about how a character uh, reacts 
after sexual abuse and the, the cycles that that carries through. I'll go no further into that. Uh, me and Andy Blockley discussed that movie way back in the day, and if memory serves, I was pretty high on it. He was pretty low on it, which would explain why I'm pretty high on this movie. But I, I once again, I want caveat, I would never say that I really liked this movie. I just found it very interesting. I think the cinematography is, is good. It's not amazing, uh, but it's good. It's good stalwart Italian cinematography. I think the score is great. Now I can put those things that I always talk about Italian cinema to the bed. Um, I think her main kind of antagonist, protagonist, because she's both, is really interesting. I think she's. I think she plays the role really, really well. Um, clearly not afraid of getting her kit off, which <laughs> I mean, that, that I mean, this must be an uncomfortable shoot for everyone. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone wants to do this shit. Like, I don't think the director's like, can't wait to get up in those lips. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't imagine that's something that he wants to be... Like, I can't imagine if you're an actress, that's something you're really... Is this the, is this Vagina Day? Yay! I mean, you know it was, I can't it was ima- in the 70s and it's Europe. I mean, they, 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 my impression was always that they had way less, like, you know, baggage about this sort of thing than Americans do, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's less baggage in that it, it's portrayal on the screen, but I still imagine it's an uncomfortable shit. Like, do you want to be the sound guy? <laughs> Holding the boom mic? No. No, like, it just it feels awkward and uncomfortable, even if you are comfortable with nudity. that just, It just feels, I don't know. I, to me, it just feels weird. Um, but yeah, like, what I, what I really liked about this one is this one is violent as fuck. Yeah, this one goes for it, and it, it's kind of interesting to see. And this is maybe the biggest fault of the movie, but also its biggest success: the duplicity of the character as being she's victim, but also aggressor, and how that like it's like when you go with that character, and the more you find out about her, it's at what point does the sympathy start to leave for that character as the audience? Right. You know what I mean? And I, I found that really, really interesting. And I thought that was done really, really, really well. But, but, there's no getting around this. This guy's, like, makes the, the, just an egregious amount of vagina in this movie. Like, it, like to the point where it's adding nothing. Well, I know what it's adding, but it's, <laughs> it's adding nothing to the movie. And there's no real justification for most of it. Out with this is for titillation and I can get away with it in my X-rated movie, so let's just do it. Um, and that kind of once again undermines it. It feels like any safer pair of hands, a smarter director, you can still have nudity, you can still have the violence that's on the screen here, but you can have a bit more of an exploration of those complex character studies, which the movie clearly wants to do. It clearly wants to do it because it keeps going back to these these elements. It keeps bringing these elements of how she pictures herself to the violence she's wrought. Um, like it's consistently at the front of the movie, so it's a theme that the director really wants to do. But it almost feels like he's he's a bit torn. Is it like the same way that Wes Craven can't make the Hills Have Eyes? Uh, sorry, the Hills Have Eyes, or something like Last House on the Left without having stupid fucking characters with hillbilly music playing in the background. Right. And you're like, no, Wes, everything was going great. You know, like, it's that way where they almost feel like they can't help themselves. And I don't know much of Silvestro's back catalogue, but I get a feeling that he's probably comfortable around female nudity. 
and, and maybe a bit of porn because um, that's where it kept leaning to so every time you got these really well constructed really interesting set up pieces within five minutes there's there's wiggling vagina on the screen and I'm kind of like mm, mm, oh, so I'm totally conflicted on this one because I do think there's I do think this is a really interesting movie. I do think there's a lot to like about this movie, but I just feel it it almost it almost knows that it can only play one place. So as a result, it, it forces itself to have an abundance of stuff in the movie that will will get those punters in while trying to convey a smarter message which is lost a little bit. That makes sense. I don't know if it does. Maybe it doesn't. Oh, yeah. What, what was your... How did you get on with this one? This is a fucking weird movie. I really don't know <laughs> yeah. what to think of this. This, is, this starts off extremely fucking cornball. Like I, like we said, it's got fucking... The screen is filled with vagina within the first, like, five minutes of this thing. Uh, oh, yeah. One of my big gripes about this is I think the werewolf makeup is fucking atrocious. It's... <laughs> 76, man, it's 76. They should have, like, shot it differently or hid it in shadows or something a little bit, especially the hilarious fucking extra pointy werewolf nipples because she's, you know, <laughs> pretty naked and they just, like, tape some fur to her, basically. The makeup the makeup is fucking bad, but, like, yeah, kind of like you were saying, like, the werewolf aspects of this is really kind of just a vessel to, like, tell a story about... Uh, abuse and hypersexuality and uh, big time commentary on just how women are treated in general like uh, she's just viewed as a fucking sex object by all the men in this fucking movie and uh, that makes you know it makes it a little easier for the audience when she starts fucking ripping these dudes to shreds because you're just like man every every dude with the exception of the fucking stunt man that she meets which I guess that's the one that she quote unquote falls in love with maybe Uh, I don't know it's a stretch it's a stretch man (laughs) he's the only one that's like halfway decent to her in the whole fucking thing like even her her dad like fucking locks her up in a fucking psych ward because like it's kind of implied that like yeah she was she was raped as a child they they don't really push that aspect of it too terribly much I don't feel like but that's kind of where our movie starts is with her in a mental hospital and uh, yeah, like like all the men in her life are just fucking awful garbage. She gets out of the hospital and immediately, like, you know, picks off like a, uh, I think they call them peasants, basically. Kills a couple yep. that's banging in a barn. So we get another fairly salacious sex scene there. Uh, which, yeah, makes, makes makes me think like what you were saying, that this dude has probably done porn the director has in the I, past. I, I, yeah, done, like, while you're chatting, I'm going to just see if I can find some information on him. Because right. I get, the, I, there's just something about the the comfort level of how he, <laughs> of how he shoots this sort of stuff that makes me think, yeah, you, oh, well, here you go, I. <laughs> oh, well, wow. A treasure trove uh, of triple X movies. Same year he did this movie, he did a movie <laughs> Is this a? Oh, is this a drama thriller? I don't know. Like TV screams, warning, warning! Uh, deported women of the SS special section. Oh wow! How is that not on the <laughs> fucking nasty list? Uh, love in a woman's prison. Um, 
which is another movie that he did. He did that one in 73. Uh, Love Angels, <laughs> which he did in 74. Um, oh, listen to this, dude. Listen to this. Uh, this is amazing. There are Italy's notorious ladies of the evening, catering to the strange cravings of their kinky, high-paying clients. But suddenly, the girls of the street find themselves being stalked by someone with desires even they can't satisfy. After a series of shocking crimes, the clues lead police to a pornographic filmmaker and his stable of lovely models and starlets. But can the authorities track down the hooker maniac before he strikes again? Wow. That's, that's yeah, that's some, not on the list. That's some grindhouse-y sound in exploitation, fucking softcore, maybe kind of hardcore porn shit. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck I'll, give, I'll give like. him his credit. This dude knows to make a movie, like that movie there is an hour and ten minutes. This one here, what was like an, under an hour and twenty. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's got a background in making titillating movies so that, that makes a lot of sense and yeah i guess i will give him a little bit of credit that where like you said werewolf woman is attempting to tackle some headier subject matter yeah. like as far as trauma goes and you know it's, it's definitely yeah heavily heavily implied that she is in no way shape or form an actual fucking werewolf and that all of that yeah. stuff is completely <laughs> in her head um which yeah I, I i think that's an interesting idea i just wish the movie was a little bit better itself because again Kind of yeah. like uh, Bloodlust. This feels like the same thing kind of over and over and over again. She gets out of the hospital. She meets a dude. Dude turns out to be a fucking pig. And one dude, like, big time tries to fucking rape her. Uh, she, uh, she fucking... I, I see, and I'm kind of confused. Does she become a werewolf before or after they either have sex or she is assaulted? Like... I think I think it's, that happens while it's kind of it, it's like during like like she starts to see herself turning that way and at the end she is so she then kills him. And see, it's so clumsily handled though. Like I don't. Really... It's not done well. It's like that's the it's the one bit where I'm like, this is really interesting. This is the bit you should. This is that's what I'm saying. Like this is the bit to me where I'm like, all your efforts should be going here in this movie, and it just kind of feels like all the efforts going into the composition of the shot of a vagina. Yeah. Um, it's, it's frustrating. It's a, it's a frustrating thing because it's like there's no rhyme or reason specifically around how it's happening, what the trigger of it is. You know what I mean? There's very little use of the kind of full moon in this movie, which you think should be all over the movie yeah, for the nature of what it is. You know what I mean? Very, very, done very little. A lot of this movie is her being assaulted by fucking men, which is. It makes yeah. a little bit of a slog to get through, but like you know, uh, like I said, I, I I give the director props for trying to tackle some 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 heavy subject matter, but uh, I just wish it was done better. Right. Well, let's let's bring it in then. Um, I mean, <laughs> if I was a censor, right. <laughs> And like, there's no way I can't give this not a community service. Like, just as like a hands down. Like, there is full on labia yep. <laughs> on the screen. They didn't even hide it with a fucking merkin. It's just, it's vagina. It is, it is so there. Um, and, 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 and like, if you were watching it, like, I was watching it on my fucking 75 inch TV. <laughs> 
I was like, oh my good like there's no way you can justify this if someone comes into the room. <laughs> like you're fucked. Yep. You're like absolutely fucked. Yeah, like you can't say, Oh, give it ten minutes and she'll turn into an unbelievable werewolf on the screen. <laughs> yeah, th- this is on YouTube, at least here in the States. For God's sake, do not watch this movie at fucking work. You will get fired. Oh no. Yeah, this is not safe for work. So, I, yeah, I feel I, I have to go that way. And it's, I mean, we, we've not really, there's a lot of male-on-female violence. There's a lot of female-on-male violence. There's a, there's a surprising amount of gore. There is a surprising amount of nudity. Um, but I think that's cool. It's in the, like, I'm slapping the old uh, community service on this one, but I'm not slapping on because I think it's a dumb fucking movie. Like like our bloodlust movie and not at all i think there's there's really interesting stuff that the director seems to be interested in i don't know if i'm making assumptions there but he seems to have an interest with it he also seems to have interests that lie other way and the balance of it is clumsy and i think that's what that's what makes it difficult for me to say that i really like this movie but i would say i enjoyed this movie um for all its flaws and how uncomfortable certain scenes made me, it's just really interesting to see a movie in Italy, especially in Italy in 76, which one, isn't a police procedural, two, is kind of pushing the boundaries, really experiment with stuff you just did not see in cinema at this time. The closest thing you get to this sort of kind of supernatural investigation in or around 76 is Filchie's The Psychic, which I think came out in... Is that 70? That may be 76 as well, 77. So, and that's dealing with kind of supernatural, that you didn't get supernatural films in Italy, you know, in this year or in or around this, this kind of time period because the driving force was um, still kind of police procedural giallo movies. Um, and they didn't, they didn't go into this realm. So to see that coming out there and those experimentations and those ideas kind of makes me rate it a little bit higher than I probably would if this was filmed elsewhere right. in the world. Uh, you know, I, I kind of I like that because I know how against the grain it is from what was happening at the time period. But yeah, I mean, it has it has some serious issues. So like, there's no there's no getting around that at all. I would probably still watch this one again. I, I it's never been given a release in the UK. Um, I was doing a bit of research on this one, so uh, I think it, it, there was a cut version, like a heavily cut version, that came out in the early 80s, which is probably how it ended up on the nasty list, um, on the tier 3, and it's never been released since. So, uh, But there is an American Blu-ray that I can import, so um, which is good to know, which is good to know, because that, this is one that I, I probably would like to add to the collection I'm surprised like an Arrow video or an 88 films or something over here hasn't put it out yet right. um, it probably will like the Italian collection the 88 films Italian collection is screaming for this to be in addition to it um, and it's, it's it's probably in line with some of the maybe not top tier ones in that collection so it's probably comfortable in there but yeah community service I still don't think this to me still isn't on the level of the hardest hitting movies that I've seen in the nasty list. I need to kind of keep that separation there for me. So yeah, it's a community service. Um, and yeah, if if you want if you want to see one movie this week with a lot of vagina, um, and I don't mean that the character from Austin Powers called a lot of vagina. <laughs> uh, if if you if you want to watch a movie with a lot of vagina, then uh, this is the movie for you. It's just just be just be mindful of where you are, who's in the house with you. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else I need to say about that. What about yourself, Mark? Final thoughts on Werewolf Woman? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. This is this is a step above some of the fucking woman-hating movies, as I call them, that we end up watching for this, because I think this did at least, although very clumsily, try and have kind of a pro-feminist you know, angle to it. Like, yeah. where we definitely sympathize with our poor abused female character even though like she might be fucking crazy because she thinks she's a fucking werewolf but uh they they at least give reasons for like a lot of these things happening and a lot of the you know violence and you know stuff like that like there there is character motivation there and like i i i, I do give it props for that it, it tried much much harder than a movies like the love butcher did to you know make our character sympathetic basically and uh, mm -hmm. They didn't entirely accomplish that, but they at least fucking tried. So I can't really, in good conscience, throw the book at this. Like you know, like you said, as far as offensive stuff in this, it's fairly gory. Lots of fucking nudity. Lots of you know violence, like between the two sexes, basically. Um, but this is far from the most egregious thing that we've watched on this show. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I probably gotta give this some community service because it's borderline pornographic in the amount of fucking nudity and sex that's in this thing. But but uh, this is definitely a way fucking classier picture than like Bloodlust was. Like this is at least oh, like God, yeah. has some nice cinematography and has you know has some things that like they did well about this. Uh, but uh, still, I don't know, still not a great movie. I'm super curious to see who did the fucking American Blu-ray of this because that version that's on YouTube is a really nice looking print of this. Is at least like you know 1080p it might even be like a slightly yeah. downgraded 2k scan of the original print of this because it looks pretty fucking immaculate in that youtube version so um it's like this that, that it's also it's aided by italian cinematography like right. there's a reason that all those all those jowls that keep getting released now um are all pristine as fuck it's like the cinematographer there is just like ridiculous like they they preserved their movies really well their their cinematographers were excellent um so movies transfer well into that format so it's, it's a benefit it is a benefit for sure right um uh, <laughs> well there we go I, I, that's that i feel we got a longer episode out of this than i expected and i'm actually thankful for it because i i there was part of me felt because I watched a movie like the movies two weeks ago and you'd watched them like a week ago that this was going to be a uh, yeah same uh, here I didn't I don't know what the hell we were going to say about this and we still got like an hour and a half show out of it so boom I will take that I will take that uh, right so we are going to take our final break of this episode when we return we're closing out and letting you know what we're doing at the end of the month two more movies coming your way on doing the nasty we'll be right back after promos for shows that we love right after this this is a test of the emergency podcasting system listen to the psychosemantic podcast Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com, The Psychosemantic Podcast. And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty. This has been Season 2, Episode number 19. Myself and Mark sitting down and doing some Bloodlust from 1976 and Werewolf Woman from 1976 as well. It has been exploitative. It has featured a lot of male-on-female violence. Um, and, yeah, uh, vampires who aren't vampires and werewolves that aren't werewolves. So, weirdly, 
my random selection of cramming two movies together has once again bore interesting fruit. Um, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, Mark, we, we, we got through it. We got to the end. Uh, we have two much more interesting movies to talk about on this one. And also, just to remind everyone, we have mentioned Martin about seven times during this episode. Martin is on the tier three list, so yeah, we will be covering that movie uh, somewhere down. Yeah, for, for sure. However, we do have uh, two movies coming up at the end of this month. We will be looking at The Aftermath from 1982. Uh, this is a movie that you recently purchased after seeing um, the, the kind of restoration at a... Was this at a festival? Did you yeah, see? yeah, they did a double feature from the director of that one. Uh, Steve Barkett. Yeah, Steve Barkett at Chattanooga Film Festival this year. They did they did The Aftermath, which uh, I think in the UK is known as Zombie Aftermath, possibly, yeah. despite yeah. the fact there is like almost nothing zombie-related about it. <laughs> uh, and then another movie that he did a few years ago uh, called Empire of the Dark, uh, which had twice the fucking over twice the budget of the aftermath and looks like an infinitely shittier movie. Um, but it, it also it also starred they're like a, a father and son. I wouldn't really call them a team. I think it's more like the son ended up in his father's movies more than a few times. Uh, the the Barquettes, but uh, yeah, they did like a fun little retrospective on that one at Chattanooga earlier this summer and. Uh, had had some fun Q and A's about those. I didn't get a get a chance to watch the Q and A for the aftermath, so uh, hopefully I can find some shit to talk about about that one. But uh, yeah, yeah, the aftermath is fucking good. Uh, also on YouTube, if you're playing playing along at home, uh, mm-hmm. pretty pretty good print. Yep, and we will be doubling that up uh, with a movie that I genuinely. The more I watch it, the more I fucking love it. Um, we're going to be discussing Extra, also from 1982, uh, directed by Harry Bromley Davenport, um, and that is his real name. Yes, and he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't own a castle. Before you ask, uh, this movie did not get him rich. Surprise, surprise. Uh, with a synopsis of an alien creature impregnates a woman who gives birth to a man that was abducted by aliens three years ago. The man reconnects with his wife and son for a sinister purpose. This fucking movie is mental. (laughs) I I cannot wait. Um, And I've got the second site put out a a Blu-ray, a collector's edition Blu-ray of this in the UK, which I think is now out of print, but you can buy like the standard edition. Um, and it was a first day purchase for me because I hadn't seen this movie in a long, long, long time. And then I sat down with it with adult eyes and I watched it. I was just like, this feels like everyone was fucked out their face on drugs. Yep. Everyone. Just everyone. <laughs> and I can't I cannot wait to talk about it. It's one of those classic alien ripoffs that came out in the in the early eighties. It's just surprising that it's a British one. Although in seeing that on this list of movies that we obviously get to talk about uh, moving forward. We are going to get to a couple of Norman G. Warren movies, which will be a ton of fun. And we're only, what, like two episodes away after this from talking about Insemnioid. And Insemnioid is basically the other British alien ripoff movie, which is equally as fucking bonkers. Like, you're just watching it going, what, what was going on? What was going on in the UK? At this time. And also, take into account as well, 82, 82... Is that... Uh, we're in or around the same time we got um, 
The Hooper movie. What's the Hooper movie again with the space vampires? Uh, Life Force. Life Force is about the same time period as well. So, and that's set in the UK. It's just like, there was just all shagging and aliens in 82. Um, and and a lot of cocaine, so that's what we're doing at and and the end of the month. Uh, but realistically, for me and Mark, in like five minutes, we're kicking that one off. Yep. Uh, so yes, Mark, uh, let the listeners out there know where they can check out your stuff online, buddy. Uh, find me on the Twitter. That is the fancy Mark. I talk a lot about movies, and uh, that's really like my main social media feed these days. Let's be honest, because I'm way less likely to get thrown in fucking Twitter jail than I am in Facebook jail. I've been trying to behave myself on Facebook because that's like my main place where I can kind of successfully promote podcasts that I'm on and stuff. So, uh, yeah, most of the people I think that would be interested in following me on Facebook are already there. So if you're not following me on Twitter, the the fancy mark, uh, the one that I use the least would be Instagram, which is also the at the fancy mark. Um, I don't know what it is, but Instagram has just really lost my interest the last couple of months. But I always do appreciate a couple new follows on there. So, yeah, if, if, if that's your jam, you can always go back. I have like fifteen or 1,600 fucking posts on my Instagram that you can go back and check out. A lot of uh, photography stuff. Uh, I've got a buttload of guest appearances on podcasts like planned and coming out. Just yesterday, I recorded with... Uh, Derek Bourgeoisie and his buddy Dubs over on the Cinematic Attack podcast. Yeah, he was super excited about that. He was talking to me um, during the week about how how um, how tickled he was uh, to have the Mark Ball come on and do an appearance <laughs> on his show. So that's that's extremely flattering. That, and that show that was a lot of fun to record. That we did. Uh, uh, I think basically the theme of that was dark fairy tales. So we did Pumpkinhead. And, oh, which, is a, which is a fucking classic. Yeah, it's like it's amazing. Ultimate, I love it. Ultimate dark fairy tale movie. Uh, we did Pie Wacket, which was a movie that I had not seen until we recorded it for, or that we'd done it for that show. Which, oh, man, Pie Wacket's fucking great. It's dude. so fucking good. Well, it made it, it, it got a lot of praise off me on the upcoming episode in the summer series. I uh, I saw that at Fright Fest and it blew me away. So yeah, I think that's uh, 2017, if I remember yes. correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, great fucking movie. That's on Hulu. I definitely recommend checking that out if you haven't seen. And the third one was a movie that just came out, Candisha from the Inside Guys, which is currently, I don't know, in the oh. UK, but in the States, that is streaming on Shudder right now. Uh, I jokingly referred to that as Lady Candyman, because that's kind of what that movie is. Um, <laughs> nice. uh, but pretty, pretty, pretty fucking rad movie. But yeah, you can hear all, all three of us talk about that, all those on the Cinematic Attack podcast, which uh, I forget. Is that a Legion show or is that a Horophilia show? Uh, I think that might be a Dark, Dark Discussions, I think, they're on with that one. Oh, okay. I think, I think Dark Discussions Network is that is that one. He's got he's got some shows that straddle both networks, so I think that one's Dark Discussions. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, that, that should be out by the time. Uh, well, I, I guess if you're planning on putting this out, that, that should, we just recorded that one yesterday, so that should be out around the same time, probably, as this one, I would assume. So, uh, yeah, yeah check, check me out over there. I, I, I got some other stuff in the works, so we'll, we'll probably talk about that on the next episode, just in case, like, you know, <laughs> stuff coming out, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's about it. Nice. Right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is your lot 
for doing the nasty season two episode number 19 fear not we are going to officially be back on track and back on schedule at the end of this month when we drop episode 20 that one is the penultimate episode before we do officially reach the halfway mark of the series Believe it or not, that's us hitting. That's us hitting the halfway mark. Damn, <laughs> it's like it's fucking yeah. Uh, how many great quality movies have we seen, Mark? Uh, <laughs> just a few and a lot of trash. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Well, just remember, you just got the back half as well. Which, I mean, there's some movie titles on that one that are, are literally like that. Just sounds awful. Um, so <laughs> looking forward to that. But we will be back in a couple of weeks' time to give you more doing the nasty. Until then, please take care of yourselves, and we'll speak to you all next time. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.